Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight for our podcast. Please, if you're new, subscribe. And also uh, know that we're going to have live chat tonight. And please call in and as well as comment your questions um, in the live chat. Um, we got a great topic tonight, something I've spent a lot of time uh, really researching. And that's how to deal with depression. How to deal with depression as a Christian. How to deal with depression from a biblical perspective. Please call as God has put it upon your heart. We'll take questions at any time. Now. Let's jump into it. What is depression? You know, what's interesting is, you know, the word depression means to, to feel down, to feel discouraged, to be without hope, to be dismayed, as uh, the King James puts it. It could mean to, um, to be in despair. It can mean to be cast down. Um, it can mean, as, as um, Paul points out in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse I think it's around verse 19, to be most miserable. <laughs> you know what I mean? So all these are, are definitions of, of what it means to be depressed. Let me just say this. We have all, anyone's listening to the sound of my voice, we have all at some point or another been depressed. In fact, they say that one out of four or 24, I'm sorry, 25% <laughs> Of our population, of the not only our population, I saw that of the world's population suffers from some form of long-term depression. In fact, even you know what's amazing about it? I mean, we've got uh, PPD, which is what women experience—the postpartum um, depression that they get after they've they've had children. We've had people in the military who experience uh, PTSD from being in, in the armed services. There's some who have experienced, they say even homeless people experience a form of depression. They've got a name for that. In fact, what's interesting as I researched this thing, they say that 40% of our children in this country, 40% suffer from some form of depression. That's just amazing. And in fact, they say that close to 20% of, of our children are on some type of medication. For depression. You know what's wrong about it? As they say that for some kids it starts at the age of 14. Some it starts for the age as low as 7. There's a real popular um, biblical teacher whose son committed suicide. He said he remembers when his kid was small. And that his child when he was little was struggling with issues of depression. Well where does depression come from? Where does it come from in the first place? You know we're told in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 that we are created in the image and likeness of God. And we know from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, we're made of our body, soul, and spirit. And our body, we know what that is. We know what our, our spirit is. That's what communicates with God. But we have a soul which controls our intellect, our emotions, and this kind of thing. And they all work together. And due to Genesis chapter 3, due to sin, guess what's happened? Our emotions are all out of whack as human beings. And so we, I, I think we even see this in Genesis 3.16. When God told um, Eve that in sorrow she would, would have children. Now in the newer translations put it pain. But the word sorrow there can also, because the King James kept it as sorrow, can also mean emotional, not only physical, but emotional pain involved in having children. And so, you know, we see kind of a glimpse of it at that particular moment. In fact, they've done research on babies. 
And they pointed out that that babies um, tend to have like a um, a uh, a form of depression, but their depression is based upon certain circumstances, like being held. If they're not held, they get down and they cry. If they're not fed, they get down and they cry. If they're not um, the boo-boo's not taken off of them, they get down and they cry, and so forth. I believe that ninety percent of all of our depression as God's people, and I think around the world, is due to circumstantial, situational issues in life that cause us to get down and depressed. There are certain things that trigger our depression and cause some people to be as the world would label it because everyone seems to have a label, um, bipolar, where at times they're way up and times they're way down, but there are things that trigger it, circumstances and situations. You may go to the mailbox, and there's a piece of mail in the mail. And that piece of mail is like, you know, something that you don't like. And before you know it, you're depressed. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You may go and um, you may um, find yourself where you were seeking a raise and you find out that you didn't get it. Maybe you were in a relationship and y'all broke up. And at that moment, you're down and depressed. Understand this too. Depression is is a symptom of a deeper problem. You see, lots of times, man, we think, well, why are they acting like that? Well, why are they so depressed? It's it's not the depression, that's just the fruit of it. But it's a it's a symptom of a much deeper problem where in their mind, in a person's mind who's depressed, and I'm talking about deep depression, which we're gonna look at in a few, they have had a party. And that party has only been open to me, myself. And I, Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers of all time, Charles Spurgeon, many of y'all have heard of him. He suffered with depression and talks about how he was in the, in the, in the, the heaps of despair. And I've noticed, too, let me say this, too, while we're on this podcast, that a lot of us are, are down and depressed because of 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Well, we begin to compare ourselves among ourselves, which Paul says that is not wise. Maybe you look at something on Facebook or maybe you saw something on Instagram or maybe you take a look around you at what other people have and what you don't or what you may could have and may, maybe what you couldn't have and you just never got it. And for many of us, that leads to depression. Remember, we, we know from 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, that Elisha said, and Elisha's our poster boy for depression. For this podcast, if there was some homework, read 1 Kings 19. Remember, Elisha said, man, Lord, take me out of here because I am nowhere like my father's. You see, he was comparing himself among himself with his others. And and he said, I'm not as successful as them. And so, you know, lots of times we tend to do that. And we see the same thing in John 21 when, you know, Peter is walking on on the water, on the shore, with Jesus and they're talking and Jesus tells them what's going to happen to him. And then he asked Jesus, well, what's going to happen to John? And Jesus says, what's that to you? You follow me. And so lots of times, a lot of depression in our lives is because we are, we've looked at other people. We've looked at their so-called, it seems like the grass is green on the other side. And it's caused us to be depressed. We forget that someone's got to cut that grass, as they say. We forget that situation. And let me just say this, too. Some of our depression comes from a lack of physical care. I believe that exercise is important. I believe that 
eating right is important. I believe these things, especially exercise, unleashes endorphins, they've said, in the system. And it makes it so mentally, you know, you're a little more balanced. And so I do believe this, but it all boils down to Proverbs 23, verse 7. As a man or woman thinks in their heart, so are they. So it really boils down to dealing with what's going on upstairs and controlling your thoughts. You know what's interesting is that God even tells us. Y'all listening to me, understand this. The Lord tells us how to deal with our thoughts. Y'all know that? You know, we're told over in, um, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, that we're to think on those things that are true, those things that are honest, those things that are that are um, that are just, those things that are pure, those things that are are lovely, those things that are of good report. If there be any virtue, if it, if it be any um, praise, think on these things. And then Paul went on to say in Philippians chapter four, verse nine, he said, "And whatever you've learned, whatever you've seen, whatever you've heard of me, he said, do those things, and the God of peace will be with you." You see, I'm going to tell you, you know, really, I'm going to be honest. Many of us don't have that because guess what? We're not focused on the things of God. So before you know, we get our focus in the wrong place. And let me just say this. The devil is doing whatever he can. He's busy doing whatever he can to get you down. You know, remember in Job chapter uh, 1, verse 11, and Job chapter 2, verse 15, remember what um, Satan said to to, to the Lord, he said, take this stuff away from him and he will curse you to your face. He'll get so down, so depressed that he will turn on you. And that's the enemy of the golden word curse. That can mean blessed in a sarcastic way to the point where a person says, Lord, I thought you was with me. And, and so that could happen. And so that's the goal of the enemy to get you to that point where you begin to curse God. Or I believe to some degree, curse the day you were born. Remember what we're told in Job chapter 3, verse 1? That Job, I mean, when he finally spoke in his situation, you know what he said? I curse the day I'm born. Jeremiah did the same thing in Jeremiah 20, verse 14. I hate my life. I should not have been born. That kind of a thing. And so that's how the enemy works to get you down. Maybe you don't curse God, but you begin to speak against your own life, against yourself. And ultimately, Daniel 7.25 says one of the goals of the enemy is to wear out the saints, to wear out or to wear down the saints, to wear you down and to get you down and depressed. Now, keep in mind, there's different levels of depression. There's different levels. Some of us have normal short-term depression. I'm going to take a call right now as you all think about it because we're going to look at each level of depression. We got a call here tonight. Uh, please tell us uh, your name and where you're calling from. Yep, this is Lodera calling from Kent Springs, Maryland. How you doing, my brother? Please uh, tell us uh, your question tonight. Yeah, I'm calling because um, I heard you recently say um, about how Joe says how he hated life, how he cursed his life. Yes, yes. And I was wondering... Um, do God get angry at us, like when we say things like that? Like, I hate my life. You know, I should have, I should have never been born if it ain't my fault I was born, and and things like that. Well, you know, when Job made that comment, he didn't have the the whole counsel of God. He didn't know later on in Job thirty eight, 
that God would show up to him. He did not know that God had chosen him before the, the foundations of the world, which we're, we're told in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. He didn't know that, um, that God had picked him over others. He, he really didn't understand all that. Now, you and I have the whole counsel of God. So, you know, we should never be wishing uh, that we were never born. That's what Jesus said about uh, Judas. It would have been better. He'd never been born. So for us as God's people, God chose us with a plan and a purpose. And we're told in Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5, that he chose us uh, that we would um, bring forth good works, really, and that we would, um, we would, we would worship and, and praise and serve him and glorify him. So no, uh, don't curse the day you were born. You know, some people read that, that happened and, and what Job said and what Jeremiah says, and they'll start doing that. No, don't do that. That's, that's not wise. And based upon the knowledge that we know of Scripture, uh, God determined in Acts 17, 26, where you, in 27, where you would be born. He determined that. In fact, as I've shared before, as, as you pointed out, or as I pointed out, I'm sorry, that he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we'd be holy and blameless before him in love. So he predestinated us that we bring forth good works. We're told all this in Ephesians 1. So he chose you with the purpose and he chose you in love and he chose you because he loved you. And he determined that you be born here to bring him glory and to be that Malachi 2.15 godly seed that he desires upon this earth. So, no, it's not good for us to say, I curse the day that I was born. And so um, and I do I do um, kind of you know, can understand people being at a point, but I do not believe that's, I don't think that's biblical and I do not think it's wise because the life that God has given you is a gift from him. And God wants you to experience the abundant life in John 10, 10. He came to give you life and that abund more abundantly, the Zoe life. And if you've gotten to the point where you're cursing the day that you were born, somehow or another, I think you've lost your perspective. Now, as I said, Job only had a small counsel of God. In fact, we believe that Job, Live probably somewhere around Genesis 38 or 39, you know, way before what we have today. And Jeremiah did speak his words in despair due to the calling upon his life. And if you read Jeremiah 15 and Jeremiah 20, which he was displeased with. But uh, so we're not to do that. Does that answer oh, your okay. question, my brother? Yeah, that answered it. Yeah. Man, good question tonight. Good question. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. We have another line open if anyone wants to call. Let me just say this. There's different levels of depression. Okay, Some of us have, all of us, let me just say this, experience what we would call short-term depression, where we'd be down for just a moment. Sometimes your kids may cause you to experience short-term depression. Maybe you get a bank account and you, you look online like, Man, I thought I had more money than this, and, and you don't have it. And before you know it, you're depressed. You can even hear a song. How many of you have experienced that before? Where you hear a song and you get down and you get depressed. Okay. Um, so, so understand sometimes in life, you know, these things can cause us just for a few minutes to go in that direction. You know, we find Jesus in John eleven thirty five. I mean, he was down when he wept. You know what I mean? If we can call it that. We know in Luke 19, 41, when Jesus weeps over uh, Jerusalem. You know, but he didn't do it all day. He didn't just cry all day. He just had a moment where he expressed his emotions. And remember, we said God is a God of emotion, but it was under control. 
And y'all with me on this. So so I want us to understand that there are there are periods in life where we ha- will have short term moments of depression. And it only lasts a, a little bit. You may miss the bus or the subway. And you'll be like, man, I was trying to get on that train because I had to go here. Oh, well, you know, and you'll be down for a minute. And then it may last an hour, may last a minute. It may last 24 hours. And then you're okay. And you may even be, and let me just say this at times, certain situations may cause us to these particular things to last a couple of days. And you may get in a funk. That's what we used to call it when somebody was really down. They in a funk, you know what I mean? And then they would, you know, they'd be okay after a day or so. Then there's some who have what, we, what, the, what I would call long-term normal natural depression that we all experience. This may happen if, if when there's a death of a loved one, maybe sometimes when there's a divorce, sometimes in a situation where you've been mistreated for a long period of time. This can cause us to be down for a long period. And we know from, from Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse, verse, um, verse 8, when Moses died, God's people wept for like, you know, or were saddened by it or mourned him for like 30 days. When Aaron died, it was the same thing for 30 days. So sometimes when, when someone we, we love um, goes, um, leaves this earth and goes to be with the Lord, there may be a period, and God understands there's going to be a period of, of mourning lots of times in them situations. But if they knew Jesus, we know from 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, verse, verse 13, we don't weep as those that have no hope. So our weeping shouldn't be going on for five years. We sitting around crying, you know, this kind of thing. You know, if that be the case, maybe that person become your God or something. You know what I mean? So there's going to be times like that. And, you know, that's I believe that's natural and our father understands it. But then there's what's known as long term, abnormal, clinical depression. All right. And sometimes Christians experience this. And this is where you allow your negative emotions to overrun your spirit, to overrun the Holy Spirit that's trying to, you know, you know, convict you, trying to show you that God loves you and the rest of this. But guess what? You get to the point where you get dismayed. The word dismayed means to be crushed. You get to a point where you become, you know, as most men, most miserable, as I pointed out earlier. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I always share Philippians chapter um Chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, where it says, Be anxious for none but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God um, shall guard your heart and mind. And what happens is, you know, the peace of God is like right in between here, you know? And here's your heart and here's your mind. And at times, if we're not careful, we won't set up the peace of God in our heart, the peace that passes all understanding. And what will happen is, We'll allow our emotions to override our thoughts if we don't set up the peace of God in our life. And this is what happens when people get to this point when they're long, when they have this long term abnormal depression where all of a sudden their emotions override all that. And you get to the point where you close your ears off to other believers. You know, we're told in um, in King in first Kings chapter 19, verse three with Elisha. Remember what happened? Elisha, he left his servant at Bathsheba. Remember he did that? And you know why he did that? Because he didn't want to be around nobody. Some of you are listening to me right now. You know, as you listen to this podcast, 
you get you have a problem with long-term depression. You don't want to be around anybody. Just leave me alone. You don't answer phone calls. You refuse to, to allow somebody to encourage you. In fact, God had angels come and try to encourage Elisha. And Elisha still wouldn't respond. God be doing good things in your life, and you know that God is doing it. But guess what? You still can't see it because you're so, your eyes are so filled with tears over your particular situation. You know, it's interesting. We know in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 7, Elisha, he was at that point of being clinically depressed. He refused to eat. Now, some of you, when you get depressed, you eat. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? By the way, we have a line open if anyone wants to call about this. But some of you, you get to the point where you, for most people, it's like, I ain't going to eat. In fact, we're told in 1 Kings chapter uh, 19, verse, verse 9 and 13, the Lord even spoke to him in the midst of his situation on two occasions and said, Elisha, why are you here? And lots of times when we be down and depressed, it's like we, we're not even listening to the voice of God. Some of you who are listening to me now, you're not really listening because you're so down over your situation. And you know, it says in, in 1 Kings 19, verse 4, that Elisha got to the point where he said, I want to die. He got to that point. And, and you know that you're close, that you have this issue with, with what I would call long-term long abnormal depression, or you know you're moving in this direction. Whenever you find a situation where you, um, you know how, as I pointed out earlier, when it came to short-term depression, you get down because you missed the bus, okay? And let's say the average person is down about it for about, you know, 15 minutes. You're down about it all day. That's a sign that, you know, you ever go to somebody, you still upset about that? Yeah, I'm still down. It's maybe because they are moving in the direction where they live a life of abnormal long-term depression. And before you know it, Psalm 37 verse 3 tells us to feed on God's, as the King James, the New King James puts it in the ESV, feed on God's faithfulness. And people get depressed before you know it, you feed on, you got, you know what your food for thought is? Negativity. How many of you know people like that? And it's almost like after a while, nothing is right unless it's wrong. And for some people, I'm going to tell you, depression is a, is a learned behavior. You live in a house where people get down a lot, guess what you, what's going to happen to you if you're not in tune with the Lord? You're going to be down a lot. You're going to, if you work around people who are always depressed, guess what? It's going to rub, rub off on you. We know from 1 Corinthians 15 that, that corrupt communication corrupts good manners. And before you know it, you start seeing things in a negative light. You don't see the glass half full. You always see it as half empty. I've heard people who kind of are in, in this point where they get to beyond a funk and they get to the point where there's abnormal depression. After a while, they say, I won't have no, if I ain't have no bad luck, I wouldn't have no luck at all. And you become like Naomi in Ruth chapter 1, verse 20. Remember what she said? She said, don't even call me Naomi no more. Call me Mara. Call me bitter because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. And you get depressed. And before you know it, you, you got self-pity. You pitying yourself. You see, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10. Remember what Elisha said? I'm all alone. And people who tend to be uh, depressed start thinking, you know what? There's nobody going through what I'm going through. There's nobody helping me out in my situation. I'm all alone in the world. 
and nobody cares. And that's what, what usually, you know, Satan uses to get us to that point, even though the Lord be trying to speak to us. He tried to speak to, uh, to, to Samuel. Remember Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, verse 1, he gets sad over God not picking Saul and he gets or, or rejecting Saul because of his evil behavior. And he gets down for a period of time. And God says, listen, uh, Samuel, how long are you going to mourn over Saul? Go to the house of David and anoint him. You see, sometimes God says, how long are you going to be in this situation? And it gets to the point, I believe, with some believers, as Matthew 2.18 says, it says that Rachel has lost her child and she will not be comforted. Some of you are listening to me now. God has sent you brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ to kind of help you through what you're going through. But you just won't be comforted. It says she refuses to be comforted. And, you know, and, and let me just say this. Some, some pain is deep. It really, really is. But there's no pain too deep that the Lord can't help, that he can't heal. You know, it, what's interesting about it is lots of times you find people in this situation who, say, who begin to say, I know this what God says, but I know this what he says, but. And before you know it, you, don't, you ain't focusing in on Jesus. All you focus in on is your problem. And the next step is the devil says, you know what? Your life ain't worth living. And before you know it, he says to you, just like what he said with Elisha, or just like came to Elisha's mind where he says, listen, I want to die in so many words in 1 Kings chapter 19. It comes to the point like Jonah in Jonah chapter 4 verse 8 who wished to die. And before you know it, you're having thoughts of suicide. Let me say this. I've had them. I remember... Um, when when a circumstance in my life wasn't going the way I wanted it to. And I said to myself, you know what? This world would be better off without me. I took a knife and I was going to stab myself. And I heard a vo an audible voice from heaven say, don't do that. I love you. Don't do that. Let me say this. The enemy will do whatever he can to get you to this point. And I'm telling you, some of you are listening to my voice right now. This is where you're at. But the Lord love you. Now, let me just say this too. How do I deal with my, with my depression if I'm depressed? How do I deal with it? Well, you know what? Some people have asked, is it okay for Christians to use medication? Is it okay for a Christian to get on some antidepressant drugs? <laughs> let me just say this. I'm not a doctor, okay? I just want you all to know this. But I do know the chief physician, and his name is Jesus, just so you all know that, okay? And let me just say this. That, that what's interesting about it is that the medical field has, has moved into, over the last 200 years, into with Freud and, and, and some of the others, have moved into the area of mental illness, okay? And it's unfortunate because their solution to the problem for many of them is medication. Now, I've heard some people say, well, you know what, um, if God, if we had a headache, God wants us to use aspirin or whatever it might be. God has given us, you know, alcohol if you get a cut or whatever. Well, let me just say this. Yes, they've done brain scans and they've seen on people's brains where it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, they're depressed. And I do believe that it has an effect on the way our brain operates is when we're depressed. But medication, okay? Medication, I don't care what it is, doesn't bring happiness. You know what medication does? 
it pretty much suppresses the pain. It's suppre- and you know what it causes most people to do? You know, it's interesting. If you research this stuff, you'll find that it causes most people to sleep. It causes most people, in many cases, to slow, go real slow or move real fast. Because most of the medications that are used are designed to affect what's known as the synaptic gaps. These are the, the gaps that are used be- between our, uh, our cells to cause us to move slower or to move faster. And it slows down the thought process. And for some, some of this medication has even led to suicidal thoughts. You see, let me say this. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says there's nothing new under the sun. And because of that, you know, Proverbs 31 verse 7 says that people drink alcohol to deal with their problems lots of times when they're depressed. And so now people are using medication. And some people we're going to see in a second are at that point where that's what they've got to do. But for some people, let me just say this. Medication for some can be a lazy man's way out of obeying the will of God. And let me say this here. All of us have a mental problem, (laughs) okay? Because we were born in sin, all right? Now, God has given us a new mind. He's given us a new body. But let me just put it, rephrase this. We at all one point had a mental problem, okay? That's a better way of putting it. In fact... All, none of us have that mind that we had when we were when, when Adam was here. Adam used 100% of his brain. The average person uses 9 to 10% of their brain power. So God is, but God has given us a new way of thinking. He's given us a new thought pattern. And if we go back to the way we used to do it, then guess what? We're going to have a mental breakdown. In fact, you know what? The Lord tells us to do certain things. And if we do those things, I believe that God will work everything out when it comes to our mental aspect, because he's not going to tell you to do something you can't do. When he tells us in in Isaiah 26, verse three, when he tells us to set our mind on him, when he says he'll give us perfect peace or twice the peace that the world have, if our mind is stayed on him, because we trust in him. If he tells us, you know, in Philippians 4, these things to do, if he tells us how to think, then evidently if we do these things, these things will work. And let me just say this, okay? Proverbs 18 verse 14 says that a man's spirit will sustain him in times of sickness, but a broken spirit, what can a person do? So guess what my goal is? It's really to help you to build up your spirit man so that you can deal with difficult times. Now, there are some who do use medication. I know, you know, some people, as we're told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, comfort the feeble-minded or the weak-minded. And there are some who are mentally weak or feeble in the Lord, and because of that, they tend to, to move in those directions. And they tend to need comfort. And, and lots of times, it's not that, that they, um, let me just say this, they tend to choose the comfort of medication. But I believe from Romans chapter 15, verse 4, that God, that whatever things were written for time were written for our comfort or encouragement and for, you know, for us to be able to make it through whatever we're going through. And my desire is not that you just have, uh, have joy, you know what I mean? I'm sorry, happiness. My desire is that you have joy. You see, we're told in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, 
with joy and peace and that in the Holy Ghost. God wants you to have joy. So understand that aspect of it, you know, because the joy of the Lord, we're told in, in Nehemiah 18, is our strength. So how to deal with depression? What are some things that we can do? Okay. And we got a question coming in here. Is there any problem that the word of God cannot provide a solution for? That's the next thing we're getting ready to deal with. And that's how to deal with our problems, okay? First of all, we dealt with how people deal with it when it comes to medication. But you know what? When it comes to uh, issues based upon God's word as his people, first of all, let me say this. As you all have known me and have heard, I use a lot of scripture because I believe 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus, through scripture. I think we've got everything we need. I believe that Jesus is right when he says, he, Jesus quoted this in Luke 4 from Isaiah 61, verse 1. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has called me to preach the gospel to the poor and to heal the brokenhearted. He specializes in that. In fact, we're told over in um, Psalm 34, verse, uh, verse 18, it says that God, it says God is near the brokenhearted, meaning he's right there for people whose hearts are broken. He's closer than he's ever been. Uh, you know, one of my favorite passages is, 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 is Psalm. I'm sorry, Psalm 61, verse 1 and 2, where it says, Hear my cry, O God, and tend unto my prayer. From the depths of the earth, my heart cries out to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou has been my refuge or my stronghold and my tower. You see, that's why I believe that God's word is more than enough to deal with what's going on in our life. Psalm 3.3 says that the Lord is my, my shield and my, and, and my glory and the lifter up of my what? Of my head. Are y'all with me on this? Remember, David struggled with this. If you read Psalm 42, remember he said, Man, as a deer panteth after the water brook, oh, my soul longeth after thee, O God. And then a few verses later, he said that he was discouraged. And then he said, Well, hope in God. Hope in God. You know what I mean? So he was going through this up and down, up and down. You got to learn 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, how to encourage yourself. And the Lord your God. You got to learn it. And so if you are depressed, I'm going to tell you, God's word has the answers. We're told in Psalm uh, 27, verse 13. Remember what, what David said. He said, I would have fainted if I had not, you know, if I had not by faith believed. I'm, I just said by faith. Believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. <laughs> Man, you know what I'm saying? I just love that. You know, I remember some years ago, um, the movie Pilgrim's Progress. And in it, they had a, a, a section, and there was a, a guy who, who was called um, the ogre or whatever. And, and they had captured them and put these believers in the dungeon of despair. The dungeon of despair. And he came downstairs one day and he said, he had his big bar. He, they were tied up. And they were in this spot of depression. It represented depression. And he had this bottle of pills. And he said, my wife told me to tell you to take these pills. You'll feel better. 
And see, this is how the enemy works. And they begin to quote scripture. And before you know it, they were out of the dungeon of despair. You see, Deuteronomy 31. I got scriptures all around my house, by the way. Just I was walking uh, this day and I was reminded. I was reminded of, of, of how God sent forth his word from Psalm 20, verse 7. And they were healed. You know, just things that to remind me that God is good. Deuteronomy tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. I love this whole verse. It says, I will go with you. He says, do. He says, I will not. God says, I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Fear not and be not dismayed. <laughs> Y'all with me on that? You got to chew on that. Because Matthew uh, chapter 12, verse 20 says, a, a smoking flax he won't put out, a bruised reed he won't break, meaning that if you are trying to, to serve God by the spirit of God as best you can, don't get down. No, he got you. No, he's got you. Meditate on his word. You know, I love 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, where we're told that God is the God of all comforts who comforts us in times of trouble by the comfort by which we received, that we may comfort others by the comfort by which we received from him. You see, he is the father, the God, the author of all comfort. You know, I like Psalm 30, verse 11, where God says he's able to turn my mourning into gladness. You know, Isaiah uh, chapter 61, verse 3, where God says he will give me a, a garment of praise for a spirit of what? Heaviness. Start turning on some music. Turn it up and start. You know, I like Psalm 32, verse 7, where he says, I've surrounded myself with songs of deliverance. You see, if you find yourself getting down and depressed, turn on some music. And in fact, for some of you, you get depressed when you hear slow music. Turn it up. Turn up some fast music where you can worship the Lord and just that will help your mind and be in the right place. Are y'all with me on this? Because it's imperative, we're told in First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, to fight the good fight of faith and to lay hold on eternal life by which you were called. And this is part of doing it. And I'm telling you, you know, I, 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 just, I just love what it says in Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walketh not to counsel the ungodly, nor stand for where it says, nor sit in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And what does he do? He meditates upon it day and night. So you got to start meditating upon the word, burying it in your heart. And so when, when hard times come, difficult times come, times when you be feeling about to get depressed, all of a sudden the scripture just pop out of you. God's word is more than enough. And God has blessed you. And he can give you at night. Some of you are depressed at night. Proverbs two, uh, chapter three, verse 24 says he will be able to give you sweet sleep in the midst of whatever you're going through. You just got to keep your mind stayed on him. And it will help you if you're having periods of depression. Hey, this was great. Thank you for tuning in for the podcast. Um, we'll be doing it again, Lord willing, next uh, Friday um, at the same time, 7 p.m. Please um, subscribe and just know that God is our is our shield, our glory, and the lifter up of our head. God bless you.